0: This time on PlayStation Rumble, we chase astronauts and run from weird sea creatures as we piece together the vanishing of Ethan Carter. Hi, my name is Jamie and I am joined as always by Tony. Yo. And Joshua. What's good? This episode, we're going to be discussing The Vanishing of Ethan Carter. Uh, next episode, we are going to be playing Mirror's Edge. So there's a heads up warning if you want to play along with that. That's releasing on the 29th of April. If you want to skip straight to the discussion, uh, that will be in the show notes. Gentlemen, it's been a couple of weeks since we last met. How have your weeks been? Um, uh, it's been all right. Still trying to become Elden Lord. Are you getting, it seems to be like, there was a great love for Elden Ring. It was like instantly, everyone was like, where has this game been in my life? Now I'm seeing a lot of people get towards the end game and going, you know, there are starting to nitpick a little bit more, maybe feeling that fatigue of, of the, you know, just the the length and the scope of this game. Are you still feeling as positive towards it as you were before?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, I've been playing since launch. And I've just been taking my time of it. Like, I'll take uh, – if I feel like I'm getting fatigued or bored, I'll just stop playing it for a couple of days and focus on something else. And, you know, I've just been keeping – I'm just chugging along. Um, uh, I'm towards the end game now, kind of. I'm headed towards the end. So, I hopefully, hopefully, by next episode, I'll, I'll, I will scream from the hilltops, I am Elden Lord. But <laughs> as of right now, I, uh, I'm making progress. Getting a little frustrated at certain parts, but, you know. What's your build? What did you go for in the end? I started as a bandit, but now I'm just strength and dexterity build. That means nothing to me, but uh, it sounds lovely.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Anyone who's played it knows what he (laughs) means.
0: Which is nearly everyone.
2: I'll chime in and I'll say that I, unlike Tony, I did become Elden Lord. (laughs) <laughs> and I am the proud owner of the platinum for Elden Ring. Very nice. How like um, what is
1: I guess the platinum's not that bad because I see a lot of people saying um on Twitter uh platinum
2: it. Oh absolutely. It's not I platinumed the Demon Souls remake and that one minimum required like three playthroughs. So you had to do base playthrough, new game plus one, new game plus two. So I did that and got the platinum for that. But Elden Ring. Well, I mean,
1: I'm gonna jump into that one. Finally, with Elden Ring.
2: Good luck, Tony. I, if you need if you need help from an old from an old master, you let me know. And if you need help from a noob, I'm here.
1: I played Demon Souls on the PS3, so I didn't beat it, but you know, I'm not unfamiliar with Demon Souls or the series in general. So, um,
2: but I will say, yeah, Elden Ring's platinum is. Uh, definitely the, the easiest from Software Platinum they've ever released. Um, at least for PlayStation, you only have to beat the game once. It's beat the game once, get a bunch of legendary stuff, beat all the bosses. Oh, you should to beat all the all the um, the lords. So all the unique bosses, yeah, you have to beat those. So all the shard bearers, any dungeon, obviously you'd have to yeah. beat the bosses at those. So.
1: I'm not looking forward to finding a... what? What's her name? The Is it the girl? Melenia, I think her name is?
2: Dude. I'm not looking <laughs> forward to her. What were they smoking when they made that character? So, Jamie, since since you haven't played Elden Ring, and spoiler warning for those of you listening and you want to avoid any spoilers in Elden Ring, um, there's this boss called Melenia, and she was in the trailer. She looks kind of like a Valkyrie. And she's... She wields a sword, and so she's pretty quick. She strikes a few times. She's got pretty nasty combos. No big deal. I can deal with that. But there's there are two catches, or there are three catches. One of them is anytime she hits you, she heals. Oof. And so like, if she takes you for a combo and does five hits, she heals for every single one of those hits, and it's not a small amount.
1: Oh, I didn't know. She, I, thought, I knew she healed like halfway through. By the way, Jamie, she's optional. <laughs> So, when you do play it, you don't have to fight her. Genoa, you know what? All of Elden Ring's optional,
0: turns oh, out. This is,
2: uh, <laughs> oh, we're not done. We're not done. Catch two is that um, she has two phases. So, after you're done banging your guts against the wall for five hours beating the first phase, there's a second phase. And she can give you Scarlet Rot. Catch number three is there's one attack that she does that is easily the hardest attack to avoid from Soft has ever made. If you get hit by it, it practically kills you. It's almost impossible to learn and dodge effectively. I myself never learned how to properly deal with it. It is that BS of the
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Jamie. You don't have to A lot of these options you don't you don't have to bait only have to fight two of the main bosses and then you can I you don't of have to fight
2: any Elden Ring boss. No, you're playing it, Jamie. If, like, if I do want, it, it's, it's happening. I want you to. Want you to I'm going to sh- play Elden Ring, but I'm not really into the combat. Can I just? <laughs> can I just turn off all encounters? That would be fun.
1: I had just fought um, what's his name? Morgat, and mm-hmm. I was expecting like a big grueling battle, and he was he wasn't aggressive. He's just
2: Margot, but more
1: even Margot, Like he just didn't. He just I don't know. I just maybe the, the AI didn't get aggro on me. And I fought on what, Radia, Rada, Radia?
2: Radon. That fight was awesome.
1: I went there a little late, so I was a little overleveled, but even then, it was just like it wasn't a big deal. Like he didn't really do anything. He did his, his he fell from the sky, which was cool, but I just I was looking forward to getting my ass kicked. Last patch they kind of nerfed him, and then in recent patch they unnerfed him.
2: And they the, the, then they buffed him again.
1: And it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a thing. Like I was just I was kind of disappointed. Like I guess I need to go there like a lot lower. I was a little over level. Like not by much.
2: Did you use the summons for the fight, or did you just go in by yourself?
1: Oh, I thought you had to use the summons because they made a big thing. Oh well.
2: Oh yeah. Well, the summons are optional, but. I
1: mean, I, I still. I, I used
2: I used them cause it was I used them because it was awesome. And then he does the and then he does the nuke and kills them all. It's awesome. It's great. Yeah,
1: apparently you can like um you can like lure him to like the ocean and he'll like he'll nuke into the ocean. But I didn't
2: have to do yep. that. I didn't have to cheese him. Classic, classic cheese strats.
1: Tony, you said
0: you said back there. Um, I was looking forward to getting my ass kicked. Now, is that a thing with Souls players that they kind of they enjoy kind of being like. Obviously there is a like the level of achievement for getting, you know, doing these incredibly, uh, hard or strategic bosses. Are you, is there a little sort of not SNM, you know, like, but you know, you kind of want to be thrown around a little bit before you get to your end result.
1: You're just, you're, you're expecting a challenge You know, certain bosses that like have, you know, you're expecting it from like a, uh, like millennia. You're, ex- uh, you're expecting her to be tough because you hear about her. uh, Another one that I heard was you know rather difficult, could be rather difficult, and then I was just i was I was I was waiting for this epic fight that I didn't receive. But, I mean, you go in expecting uh it to be tough, like
2: it's not overbearingly tough? I would say, yeah, there's definitely a part where you want the game to be challenging because um even though there are moments in their bosses that are harder than others the victory over a particularly scum boss feels way better. Like yeah. there's this euphoria that you get when you finally make them fall down. You're like, you piece of garbage. <laughs> I own yeah, you yeah. now. And, um, yeah, it's just, uh, the difficulty, difficult bosses and getting your butt handed to you is definitely, it sucks in the moment. But once you, once you overcome that, the high that you get at the end of it is just addicting
1: but i mean there's some bosses that are harder than others like sure the main millennia like he's talking about like she's pretty brutal from what i understand even in all the um souls games there's particular bosses that most people will probably just avoid and they're usually optional you don't have to fight them just move on but you know there's definitely bosses that like are challenge challenge and there's there's definitely some that feel like bullshit. you know Sometimes it's a little bit of luck. Like sometimes I fought a few bosses that I like whoop my ass like 10, 20 times and then the 21st time they just kind of just stood there and let me kill them. It's, it's it's just it's a little bit of luck sometimes. But, you know, Jamie, you should play it. I want you to play it.
0: I I mean the re- the reason I said it, like I don't think Cuphead would have been as successful as it is if it wasn't as challenging as it is. And Absolutely. it feels like you're getting from uh Souls games what I like what I get from like a very trying platformer um good for you good for you guys and good for the internet because they really love it and the internet really needs a break because i had a really hard 20 years <laughs> and uh <laughs> um i recently bought look everyone's buying ps5s apparently they're in stock you know once in a while they're a lot more easily to get like now than ever but did i go that route no i didn't i got myself a playstation VR. Tony, I know you don't Yeah, have... baby, let's go. <laughs> yes, <I've>, at last. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's so awesome. <laughs> I'm posting a picture of it on the box I'm going, so it came, jealous. boys, it finally came. How many PlayStation PS, PS5 uh, pictures I've seen like in delivery boxes going, today, boys, on stream?
1: Yeah, that's why um, I didn't. I, I, I was going to do that on Twitter. I was like, Twitter's had enough of this. I'm not doing that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, T, I know you don't
0: have it. Joshua, I think you do have a PlayStation VR? I do not have a PlayStation VR. Okay. I'm mistaken, then. A few things really strike me about PlayStation VR. First thing is that it feels like they knew... When did, PS, when did VR come out? Like,
1: 2016? Uh, like, the halfway point th- of, the, of, the, of the PS4, so I think 2016.
2: October 2016.
1: It, ma- it really makes me feel like they knew what the
0: PS5 color scheme was going to be in 2016, because this thing is two-tone white
2: and black, white on the outside, black in the middle. I was like, oh. That looks very familiar. The only thing that dissuades me is that when it first came out, the PSVR was a really good value proposition because mm. was, VR was crazy expensive. And then you had to have a PC to run it. And they're like, oh, hey, this is 400 bucks that it plugs into your PS4. Dude, that's awesome. Now you can get an Oculus Quest for $100 less. And it's the whole thing, which is insane. So would it be cool? Sure. Would I use it? Probably not. Well, this is the thing. I feel like I speci
0: I specifically waited because if you bought a PSVR in twenty sixteen, you have paid the price of admission for like the early tech and like games have come out at a treacle. Basically, it's not had- sure. they continue supporting it, unlike other things like the Vita. Uh, despite it not selling particularly better than the Vita, but uh, it's slow. It is a new technology and. Buying it now is probably the best value you're ever going to get for it. Because you will have like 20 solid games that you go, this can justify the price of a uh, miss. How much
1: did you uh, end up
2: getting it for? Hold up, guys. Getting a Beat Saber machine. Let's go. Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, Beat Saber alone is... Beat Saber <laughs> is
2: Beat Saber is awesome. Yeah. Beat Saber is awesome. Yeah. I'm,
1: a, I'm, a, I'm a friend's, uh, my friend's daughter's uh, I'm Osulis. 70 British pounds is the answer that's to your question, bad. Tony.
0: Yeah, so that's what eight ninety ninety five dollars something like that. That's just wait. That's what you paid for that. Yeah, it was
1: second hand. Wow, it was,
0: that's really it wasn't first hand. I still. Um, yeah, it's that's really awesome. good. Yeah, um, there, was,
1: there was a point where uh, Walmart was clearing them out like a couple of years ago for like n- like 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 brand new ninety nine bucks, and I could not find one.
0: At least in the UK, it's never really dropped too much i think you can get one new for like 250 something like that 200 maybe at a push um but that was just the headset alone the camera is quite like you can't really buy the camera separate but that was like another 30 pounds so i spent probably about 100 all in uh i just went out to buy some games i had
2: some birthday money i was gonna say what are you what are you playing on your vr jamie he's playing resident evil 7 uh <laughs> 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 yeah because i hate
0: myself so um, too too scary for poor Jamie. I can't play that in in you know
2: 2D. flat. <laughs> what we VR uh, users call flat uh, games. Oh <laughs> yeah, you, you VR purists. <laughs> Whatever uh, sort of mingling with us common folks. Uh, <laughs> 2D. Joshua, we have we have, we have PS5, so that's true. I'm I'm gonna laugh. I'm gonna laugh at you in 4K, James. <laughs> <laughs> so I won't hear you because I'll be completely
0: consumed by the Matrix. Um, <laughs> There are a lot of games I want to play. The first game I got was Astrobots Rescue Mission. And look, everyone said this is going to be a really good game. I mean, it's PlayStation exclusive, designed for the hardware. I knew it was going to be good. I knew it was a platformer that kind of used you as the player as like part of the action. So you're like going you're going like any sort of 3D platformer, maybe a bit more um, weirdly enough for VR, a bit more corridor platforming. Um like, sort of Crash Bandicoot levels where you're sort of going away from the screen. I knew it was going to be good. It is absolutely astounding. It is upsetting that not everyone who owns a PlayStation gets to buy this game. It really has, like, a huge... I know people said this about um, the demo, the PS5 demo, uh, AstroBot, Um, but it really does have that Nintendo, like, feel and quality, f- like, throughout the whole game. And that's in, like, a lot of things. That's in performance, uh, like visuals, uh, level design. It's just so well done. I mean, like RIP, uh, uh, is it Japan Studios? It is, isn't it? Um, yeah. Like so creative and like fun. I think what Nintendo does so well is it just sells you fun. Nintendo just like packaged fun in a box and they like, sell it to you for an extortionate rate but they've always been good at just making very fun games and this is just like really fun and really high quality the other thing i would uh compare it to nintendo wise is i think it's kind of like the mario 64 of of vr once in a while like a game comes along and it's usually like a nintendo game often but not always where like they just go i'm we are going to read the we're going to set the definition for what this sort of thing i mean mario really set the definition like any marios of what like a left to right 2d platformer was going to be and it didn't it didn't create a lot of those tropes but it did stabilize them and put a lot of quality onto them 64 went this is now how we're going to do 3d games everyone like fucking pay attention this is what's going to happen and i think this is kind of it for vr it's just like they're so innovative with so much of their level design there are parts where you're going through um And there might be a wall there. They're very good at levelling. So you're always like going up and down as you're sort of going forward. And there might be a wall on your left as you're passing through. You follow the character. But you might not be able to see. You have to, like, literally turn your head to look around into the scope. Um, Your controller is, like, a part of the game. Uh, So, like, you pull it on this uh, tech box and it gives you, like... a.
2: Grappling hook? Yeah, uh, your controller like becomes a grappling hook. Every every game honestly should have a grappling hook.
0: Every game should, and this one has such a good implementation of it. Like your grappling hook can either like aim to push things down, like bits of the environment, so your uh, bot can get further on, or you can literally you can have the grappling hook attached to something, and then your little bot can like jump on it. And like if you throw up your controller, the physics of it, he's going to jump up into the air. It is so good. I am like such a miserable bastard and i cannot like my grin is just like ear to ear when i'm playing this game
2: just really good i was gonna say speaking of games that make you feel insurmountable joy uh we were talking about nintendo and this might be heresy on the podcast but i've been playing my switch lately and i've been playing kirby in the forgotten land i moved on to that after i beat elden ring different pace Uh, Oh, for sure. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, you know what they say. Kirby games are really hard when you pluck out one of your eyes and cut off one of your hands and (laughs) tie your other hand behind your back. It's actually pretty hard when you do that. But um, it's a great game. If either of you have Switches, I definitely recommend it. This is the first uh, Kirby game in 3D and Hal Laboratory did a great job with it. Um, The level of detail, the level design, the copy abilities, just... They're fire, firing on all cylinders for it, and as a as a lifelong Kirby fan, I could not be happier with the game as it is.
1: I think I played some of the games, some like the Game Boy Advance ones. I wouldn't mind checking the new one out. I like Kirby; it seems uh different enough. And plus, always like the hard stuff usually comes after you beat the game, anyway.
2: So the post game in Kirby games pretty can ramp up pretty hard.
1: Does uh the new one have a post game? You know?
2: Yes. Yes, and the post-game this time around is actually integrated within the story. Mm-hmm. So, you like beat the game, you get the credits, but there are loose ends left. So, you're very much encouraged to just keep going. Is it harder? Yes.
1: Okay, cool. Yep. I'm looking for, I, I, I'll probably check out eventually. I have so many...
2: Again, if it's not hard enough, um, cut off one of your hands, pluck out one of your eyes... Put a blindfold on. Get your little brother to play. You know.
1: I mean, sometimes you 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 need a little like you know lightheartedness. Like uh, the Astro World game on PS Five. That was fairly easy, but I still it was still nice to play. Yeah, it's
2: just yeah, really well designed. Same same thing with Kirby.
1: After the grueling world of Elden Ring, sometimes you just want to you know give some robots high fives.
2: Just to pr- just prepare your eyes. Just prepare – well, not necessarily your eyes, but pre- prepare yourself mentally for, the, for some of the endgame bosses in Kirby games because they <laughs> look like actual demon spawn. Really? That came from Satan himself. Oh, wow. This is a constant trend in Kirby games and has been since Kirby's adventure on the NES. The final bosses are horrifying and they're just like the scariest things. So, um, Be prepared.
0: Joshua, you said you completed Kirby 100% and also you said you uh, Platinum Elden Ring.
2: I haven't beat Forgotten Land 100%
0: yet. But you Platinum Elden Ring, are you a Platinum Hunter? Are
2: you a trophy hunter or is it... I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. If I'm playing a game and I really like it, then I'll go for the Platinum. Or if the Platinum is fairly easy to do, then I'll do it. But there are certain games that I want Platinum. Like, for example, I just beat Final Fantasy IX as well. I replayed that. But the trophy list for PlayStation on that is was created by a madman <laughs> who wishes pain, misery, and torture on the entire planet. I refused. I beat the game, and I ended up with like fourteen percent of all trophies. That's so discouraging. Like that is crazy. I'm I'm not getting that platinum. But so it's not really. I just get a platinum because I want to. It's more if I like a game enough that I can just go and get the platinum. Then sure. But if something's if something is if a game's not fun or if the platinum is too grindy, then I I just wash my hands of it. I'll beat it. I can live with that.
0: How many platinums have we got?
2: Twenty one. Okay, right now I think I knew
0: I I was going to lose this one before I asked that question, Tony. I have two.
2: (laughs) Hey, I've got two.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, working on that third. The only one that I've I've, the only one I felt like really really getting. Was uh infamous two because I fucking loved infamous two. Yeah, and uh, I got Astral World because it's just such an easy platinum. It's like
2: a four hour platinum.
1: Yeah, and plus, like I was enjoying the game so much, you know, I wanted to see everything. It's like a it's a love letter to Sony fans. It was such a nostalgia trip, just seeing everything, seeing all the because you collect items and you see all the old um all the old paraphernalia in the PS one, PS two, PS three, PS four era. It's a trip. It's a fun game,
2: gentlemen. Speaking of four hour games. I think it's time to get into the game proper. Should we talk about Vanishing of Ethan Carter? The Vanishing of Ethan Carter was developed and published by the Astronauts in 2014 and is a narrative puzzle adventure game where you control a detective looking for clues about a boy named Ethan Carter. It is also a self-described narrative experience that does not hold your hand. <laughs> I mean, I really wanted to they talk that. They go out of their that. way to tell you that. I
0: felt a bit passive-aggressive how, how yeah. at the beginning, this game starts off literally going... I was like, oh, shots
2: fired. Yeah,
0: it starts off by saying narrative game. This is a narrative experience which does not hold your hand like all the other games you've played. You yeah. <laughs> I mean, I
2: respect that, but that's they got some balls.
1: No, because at the time, um, the walking simulator was very popular, and you know, well, you have Firewatch. This was before
0: Firewatch, wasn't it? I think this is what this is. So, this came out in 2014. So, Gone Home would have just come out, well, would have come out of uh 2013, 2010, one of those dates, uh, something like that. <laughs> yeah, roughly in that bit. and that was like, I think that exploded the, the walking sim, yeah. Um, mm-hmm but the developers the astronauts uh were broke off from um people can fly i think they were the co-founders of uh, people can fly but they broke off when that got sold by epic but people can fly used to do first person shooters uh they did uh, painkiller and they supported on gears of war um so i mean this is a first person game but quite a a sort of change in uh pace to what they used to be doing and the next game is going to be a first-person shooter as well so i thought that was quite interesting because this feels very much like a sort of small passionate sort of indie team
2: i was gonna say the the interesting thing about people can fly is that their most recent game was outriders so i think the astronauts probably made the right call there <laughs> i mean it's in the bargain bin at walmart you know the numbers speak for themselves
0: yeah and this has uh like a reputation among walking sims you picked this game, Joshua, for the podcast. So mm-hmm. what was your reasoning behind electing it um and what's your sort of personal experience before the podcast?
2: Well, for a couple of reasons. One is uh, it was on PlayStation now and I have it, so I didn't have to buy a game. There's <laughs> no reason number one. A personal reason. Reason number two is it was one of those games I had it in my library. Um and I'd always I'd heard things about it here and there, and I'm like, you know that the title alone sounds kind of interesting but you never quite know what the game is looking outside in so i was always pretty curious what it you know what it was like so you know it's probably a shorter game we could play it pretty easily so let's just give it a shot yeah
0: and that's my exact feeling behind uh before i played um what remains of edith finch it has a lot of these walking sims do have those sort of Uh, Everybody's Gone to the Raptures, um, got like these sort of quite long literature Mm -hmm. kind of um, titles with sort of weird names in them. Uh, Tony, had you played the game? Had you heard of the game before coming to this episode?
1: I've heard of it, and I thought it was that other game, Uh, Eden Finch. Finch. Because they're both
2: similar sounding names. I Uh, don't blame you. They have book titles in their video games.
1: Yeah. And so uh, I knew of it. I knew it was like a quote-unquote walking simulator adventure game. So I had no idea what what it was really about besides someone named Ethan Carter going missing. Have you played many walking sims? Is that something you're interested in? I mean, I never really played, like, I don't think I've ever really played one, really. Like, I never really played Gone Home or the one about what's-your-face. I forgot her name I played
2: God of War 2018. That's pretty (gasps) cool. (laughs) (gasps) <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <gasps> Shit, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> I had my coffee this morning.
0: Wow. Um, I This was on my periphery. I have played a few walking... I really like Walking Sims, to be honest. I really like Edith Finch. I really like uh, what... Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. This has strong Everybody's Gone to the Rapture vibes. I genuinely thought that this was a game made by the same company, but before... But obviously, they've taken a lot of influence from this game. Um, yes, so happy to play it. Who wants to, and by who, I mean both of you, have a guess at what the Metacritic score for this game is? Uh, 80. I was going to say 80. you got to go uh, higher or lower, T. 81. All right. It is 81. Tony, uh, you're unstoppable. <laughs> you are the Elden Ring master of guessing what the Metacritic score is. He is the Dark Souls of guessing Medicare. <laughs> <laughs> the Demon Souls. I've got a review here, user review. I uh, gave it 1 out of 10. I thought we were going to be fairly...
2: doesn't know, I don't
0: know where I'm going, 1 out of 10. I generally thought we'd probably be mixed to... I mean, there, there were a few of those. I thought we'd probably be mixed to positive in this game. So I tried to find a different perspective. Uh, the fun 2, the underscore fun underscore 2, says... A nice soundtrack with a ridiculous history. By the way, my dog could do the game puzzles with his tail. Good graphics doesn't mean a good game. Don't try this. Disparaging.
1: It's a little harsh.
2: Well, I agree with his comment about graphics, but, like, good graphics don't make a good game. But I don't know that I agree about his dog could do the puzzles. Yeah. Yeah. Give your dog a controller and they'll eat it. Come on. <laughs> I tried giving my cat the controller and she just looked at me like I had lobsters crawling out of my ears.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, genuinely, if, the, if his dog's tail can do that, his dog's tail is a lot smarter than I am. I'd be impressed. Yeah.
2: If your dog can do that, man, you should be rich and you should be on television. So stop playing games and get out there.
1: What is it, the, the movie of the dog that like plays basketball? You know what I'm talking about? Airbud. Airbud. He Airbud. <laughs> Do you know what? Not, not not enough people talking about Airbud nowadays?
2: Airbud Rumble. Let's start it.
1: <laughs> Airbud Rumble. You know, every episode we watch uh, one Airbud movie. Airbud.
2: No, we-, we watch only Airbud. We
0: watch the same <laughs> Airbud movie again and again, yes. and see yes. the layers as they unfold like a
2: fine onion. You ever try? You ever you ever try to overanalyze it from a critical film perspective? Because here we go <laughs> again. Um.
0: And I, I think I agree, like the graphics, when I, I didn't realize this game came out in 2014, it's, the graphics are very good for a 2014 game. I thought it probably came out 2016, 2017. But even today, they just, uh, I would accept that as
1: a game today.
2: A- apart from the character models, I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. I thought that was probably a stylistic choice there.
1: The scenery definitely, I guess, uh, since it's just a closed quarters game, in a sense, it seems bigger than it really is. Mm -hmm. and it looked it it looked very nice it looked very nice and i agree with the reviewer that the music was really good too uh could my dog beat it i doubt it i mean look him over there there's the second bit like just skipping ahead
0: quickly uh you go across the first bridge with the sort of uh uh, train train tram car thing and then you go across the second bridge and the scenery in there has that sort of fairy tale kind of nearly like fancy lords of the rings like beauty to it. it is really stunning i don't think it's just like the graphics are good i think the artwork is supposed to evoke this sort of uh feeling of i mean not only like kind of an unnerving horror sort of uneasiness but also these sort of moments of like incredible uh natural beauty and it
2: does that really really well um i do want to say that in genre it's often described as a horror game
0: it is yes and
2: Apart from like one moment that yeah. I can think of, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why, because it's not a horror game.
1: I won't. I, I mean, there's a one like when you're talking about in the caverns, right?
2: Yeah, that was that like was the it. jump
1: scare. That was only really a jump mm-hmm. scare. It was a, a, a jump scare. You just didn't know what the hell? Yeah, it was? I
2: didn't know. I, I, I shit my pretty- britches. <laughs> I had to buy she three pairs like, of britches just to play this, this game. Sc- this was so scary. <laughs> I couldn't go to bed that night. <laughs> yeah, like, Could I didn't... beat
1: the game. I mean, I didn't know what the hell was going on most of the time, so I was just like, what's going on? Some guy's chasing me now? Like, it was just... What's going was on just, was my manch- mantra as I, as I, I, I played this I game. Ha- I, <laughs> I have it written down. What uh, is I happening? Am, it's in my notes. I have no idea where I am going or what I am doing. <laughs> that was more like a personal diary. <laughs> Um, so continue. No, I've I said, peaked. I have no idea where I'm going or what I am doing. Okay. That's
0: yeah. I follow. So this game, as we said, it starts off going, listen, idiots, we're not going to hold your hand through this. Uh, so it's, it's, they setting mean up, it. it's setting you up to go like you are going to have to explore this world on your own. And then, and then ironically, you start off on a track in a tunnel on a track and you, you go like just beyond the tunnel and you can either follow the track or you can listen to what they've just like pounded you over the head by saying and explore, uh, sort of the forest either side of you. It's set in, 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 uh, forest. Now, if you just follow the track, you go to the first big mystery, which is like a rail car thing, which isn't too far down the road. But I got to the bridge just on the cusp of that and thought, hang on a minute, maybe there's something in these here woods. And you like go along and you find loads of traps and it, uh, explains to you basically the premise of the gameplay which is uh you're finding clues and once you've found enough clues and you've pieced everything together then you'll get a vision of what happened maybe a note uh written as like a story um and the first one is like loads of traps in the woods and then the story behind that is it's kind of like dark and eerie it's not horror but it's dark and eerie about this guy who used to go off into the woods and like brave all these traps just so he could uh get sap from trees he wanted to drink like loads of sap from trees um but uh the villagers thought that he had uh incredible wealth hidden in the forest, but he only wanted them to think that, so they wouldn't drink his sap because obviously sap's very sought after as a nourishing drink um then there's a fire one day, and he's protected by the sap, and all the villagers die. so when you're seeing this like there's loads of the skeletons and bones of everyone in the forest, I thought this was a really clever way of going. Like really early on going, this is the premise of the game. This is how you, this, this is what you're going to be doing. And also you've been rewarded by going off the beaten path. And that's what we're going to reward you for doing in this game. So I think that was a very concise way of kind of getting what they wanted from the player.
1: It's interesting. That's the first thing you found because I was too busy trying to figure out how that guy got ran over by a train. So you just went straight past it. Did you you ever come back to it? You have to do all of them eventually. You have to do all of them to uh, to complete the game.
0: you have to do every story there are
1: some things you can skip in this you can't skip in the stories though cuz at the end you have it shows you the map and you have to it shows you which ones you missed yeah yeah but um the, i didn't find i didn't find a, the first one i found was the astronaut one that was the one so like i actually went back cuz was like it was bothering me that i never solved the mystery of the dead guy in the tracks so i actually went back and i was looking everywhere and i accidentally found the astronaut that's the first, one I, um, first story I found.
2: I missed The Astronaut. I had to, I had to go back and do it at the, at the end of the game. But you were talking, Jamie, about how the game sort of sets itself up. And I agree with you. I think it does it really well. And um, it didn't really start to click with me. Because the traps, I was like, okay, there are traps, so I'm not supposed to die. Am I not supposed to die here? Am I triggering all these traps? And then you get, and then the the next one I did was the house with all the rooms. And we can talk about that if you guys want to talk about that. But after I did that, I was kind of like, okay, so, I'm going through and every hot spot, as it were, has a different puzzle I need to solve or a different challenge. And the rules are kind of, apart from piecing together apart from maybe a couple where you're finding stuff and putting them in the right spots, uh, for the most part, every challenge is unique and you kind of just have to pay attention because the 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 design itself in the environment will clue you in as to what you're supposed to do. Yeah. But they just kind of, oh, well, this is the setup, but they, they never tell you that because they don't hold your hand.
0: <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, on that, there seem to be two major types of puzzles that's one where you are recreating a scene of something that's happened in Ethan's life so something very specific to what's actually uh, been going on with Ethan and there's this secondary type of puzzle which seems to be uh centered around these sort of stories that someone has written we find really? out Ethan has written um and they're a bit more fantastical and they t- tend to deviate uh a bit more from the other ones about how you solve them um Which confused me at first because the first thing they show you is not the main thing you're going to be doing, which is recreating these scenes, uh, the Ethan story things. They show you one of the stories and then they show you one of Ethan's uh, things with the rail car. this is how far I got with the rail car until I had to put that rail car over the uh, beaten grass. So you you can piece together all these things and then you've got to put the rail car over the deadened grass um, to
1: recreate the scene. Did anyone get that bit? Am I an idiot? Um, like I said, I had fig- I think I figured out a lot of the rail car. I didn't. F- the last thing I didn't figure out was where to put the rock. So I just okay. went on. I went on and did something, did other things, and then I came back like two or more towards like halfway through the game. I actually walked back to figure out what to do with the corpse because then that's because I think I found like the second corpse or the second thing main thing to do. And I was like, okay, so there's more to this. What am I missing? So I went all. I walked. I slotted my way all the way back to the beginning of the game to figure out what to, what I was supposed to do there. And that's when I found the astronaut. So, yeah, I back, backtracked there. Okay. Because uh, I skipped it, too, because I, I didn't know. I thought it was something else that would come together later on.
2: Um, So, there was one puzzle that I didn't get, and I didn't need to do it at the end of the game. And when I looked at the map, it didn't pop up. And I think that was it, because there was also one one, there's a list of trophies. I don't know if you guys played it on PlayStation or not. There's a list of trophies and there was one of those related trophies that I didn't get. So I'm assuming that was the one that I glossed over.
0: I think, unless I'm mistaken, I think all of the stories that he's written, you have to hit those bits to get to the end yeah. game state. I'm not sure any of the actual recreations of what's going on in his life, you actually have to complete... Some of you have to complete literally to get to the next area.
1: Yeah, I think like the story, like I said, if you if you miss any of the stories at the very end of the game, the, you see a chart, Yeah, and it, it brings yeah. you to where you have to the do them. But I think, I think you can probably skip one or two of the recreations. Okay. But there's a few that you have to do in order to progress.
0: I, th- I think it's weird that a... The ones, the, the puzzles you can miss are the ones about Ethan because that comes into like a huge amount of play later on in the in the ending. Pe- people on the internet got are up in arms about this uh, as they are everything, but they were saying I think the argument is this game says, "Oh, I'm not going to hold your hand; you've got to do it on your own." But then when I got to the end, it told me everything I had done and showed me a map of where I needed to go. Yeah, I did feel a bit adrift a lot in this game particularly because i basically didn't get the first i don't know i got the first puzzle but then i missed the next three because i hadn't finished one thing or i didn't realize once you've finished everything you need to go back to the dead body so i kind of felt like i don't know what i'm doing wrong but i just i don't have enough information and i feel like i'm wondering a bit too much just trying to stumble over a piece of evidence um did you feel like your hand was being held? Did it did it feel quite clear to you at all times what you want to be doing?
2: I did some research prior to uh, this episode, and the 2014 version of this game is not the version that we played, essentially. Okay. Um, the game was ported to Unreal Engine 4 in 2015, and with that, it added the destination's at the end of the game on the map. So, I'm assuming that whatever the, that they probably thought, oh, you know, you know what, maybe we should have this so that A, people don't have to backtrack and B, they don't have to wander around aimlessly. Because if the game is going to demand, if the game is going to demand that you find all of these points of interest, but um, you don't really know where you're looking and then you get to the end of the, and, and for the most part, the, the, the game is very linear. So, you're at the end of the line and then they say, okay, you're at the end of the line, go back through the whole game and try and find what you missed. I would be a little upset. I I would be, I I would feel a little jaded at that point because it would be a huge pace breaker and it would be not that fun, in my opinion.
1: I just thought it was strange that learning now that you can skip the main his his like like Jamie said, his the main story beats of his life, but you have to find it. But you can't skip his stories. I would thought it would be like a, it would be like the other way around. Like finding the stories yeah. would give you a reason to go back and replay the game, and the required things would be finding what happens to his family members. But that's just me. I'm not going. I'm not. Uh, I'm not a big time game designer. So what do I know?
0: I think uh, are you know. I think it's probably worth noting that you are in first person as you're doing this and you're narrating uh the story as you go sort of saying you you're kind of here to find out what's happened with Ethan Carter and just sort of un- unravel this mystery. I think the, probably the next puzzle that's kind of worth discussing is the uh the fake interiors, the house of a thousand doors. Quite a, sort of a simple but perplexing premise at first. So you you go into this house You pick up a note and then a door sort of gets a blue orb area uh, around it. And as you go through that door, you you teleport to the room that it's sort of having a vision of. And you can switch between three different visions. So as you go through a door, you can decide, are you going to go into one of three different rooms? And if you're correct, it will allow you to continue forward and recreate the whole house. And if you're wrong, it will take you back and go, that's not the room you should have gone into. That's not the room that leads on from the room you're already in.
1: Now, doesn't it give you like two, three? I think it gives you like two chances.
2: You get one error, and then if you get it wrong again, you have to start over. Yeah. Um,
1: I looked this up. I looked some <laughs> of it up. <laughs> I'm saying that. I mean, story wise, it was your. I think in one, in like one of the story beats, you read something. And it's and it's Ethan talking about his like neighbor's house, and you go to his neighbor's house, mm-hmm. and you you're basically recreating Ethan's house. Yep. to find like a secret room or whatever. Yes, the house across the road is the is a yeah. mirror image of this house. Did yep. you guys get that? Like on your own? Using it took me a um, it took me a few tries. I have like a little map I ended up making, kind of. Because I think even after I found that out, that was still really
0: like just a very lengthy and uh, overcomplicated memory test. And what I did was actually match the interiors, the inter- uh, the exterior walls. Of each room to find my way yeah. through this house, rather than like memorize another house.
1: Yeah, I I figured it out eventually. I mean, after a while, I figure out like the pattern. But it took me a few tries. Probably took me like I'm gonna say, good maybe ten, fifteen minutes. It took me a minute. It took me a little bit. No, but um, yeah, I just kind of I've, uh, at a certain point, I just started taking notes on what on my like you know which doors were what. So I kind of like a little mini map on my on my binder right now. But otherwise, it was slightly annoying, but I you know I got through it.
2: I got through it by starting at the top floor. Well, it took first it took me a minute to figure out what exactly was happening you. and what yeah. I was supposed to do. But once but once I kind of once I kind of had a guess, I started at the at the top cuz I'm like, "Oh, so the well, I know for a fact that the attic would be at the top." So you start there, you come down, and you can pretty you can kind of make out um the interior walls of the second floor so i started to do that and once i had that down then i could go down try and make out the bottom floor so it was it it was quite a bit of trial and error but um it was actually pretty pretty satisfying once i once i got the hang of it
1: yeah i did the reverse i started on the first floor and worked my way up the first floor i think was the hardest the second floor is when i started figuring out you know like they were like you know I, was, I would see a corner of the wall i'm like in a window i'm like okay that would be facing this way like
2: yeah, so the other thing is once you guess a room correctly, the image of that room, when it shows up at another door will be grayed out so that you know for a fact you already used it. Oh, so shit. by starting at the top floor, and I was like, well, I know which one's up there. I know the attic is up there. So I could start eliminating possibilities so that when I was going to the other ones, I'm like, oh, well, I already used this one, I already used this one, I already used this one.
0: I didn't, I didn't catch that. That's the sort of great mind of a a man who's completed most of the Kirby games. Yeah.
2: I have a, I have a degree, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I went to college. Um, by this point, so that's another
0: story that Ethan's written about this magician who had created a potion to look into the future. And the villagers wanted this potion and he didn't want to share it. So they burnt his house down. It's quite a bleak story. And he'd hidden it in this sort of labyrinth of rooms using magic. Um, and they just expected him to come out, and he never did. At this point, we've had like one or two kind of weird, bleak stories. A trippy one with a spaceman. I don't know if everyone played the space. Oh, you have to play the spaceman, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I got. Yeah, you have to do the spaceman. And 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 this sort of weird uh, murder where Ethan's granddad uh, stops Ethan's brother, I think, uh, from killing him by uh Ethan's granddad just smashing Ethan's brother over the head with a rock that was
1: the um that was a train car yeah so that's the only story beat we've had
0: from Ethan at this point I appreciated the sort of I don't know uh it feels like the developers had quite a sort of lit- literary uh references for this game and we're trying to lean into like short weird fiction story writing with all mm-hmm. these sort of puzzles and I quite they're just short that. stories yeah I do think the game is quite good at making, and like a lot of Walking Sims, making you feel quite alone as you're going through this experience. You are slightly on edge, even though it's quite a beautiful atmosphere, you are slightly on edge and quite uneasy with what is going on around you at this point. I, I mean, is that shed or were you guys cracking up pina coladas going? <laughs>
2: no, that's 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 pretty that's pretty standard. Um it it does really well at isolation, but I don't think I ever thought about it too much just because the, the focus of the game isn't necessarily around isolation. So, I never really took a moment to think about, oh my gosh, I'm alone. At, at one point, you know, if the game were horror, then I probably would have thought about it a lot more. But the game as is, I didn't really think about it too much. But looking back on it, yeah, I agree. It it, there, there was there was a pretty decent sense of isolation, and you know, a lot of the times you're just walking through and you're hearing the sounds of the trees or the birds or
0: yes, and the sound design is fantastic.
2: It sells going through this sort of um, forested area, but yeah, that's that's really all I have to say about that.
1: Yeah, I kind of. Uh, I'm in the same boat as Joshua. I didn't really think about the isolation, but I did think that the environments and overall little world I built was very um realized. You know, it was very it was well put together. You know, you fit you uh there was even a little shortcut that you didn't really need to use, like with the little elevator. So like and so most of the lot again was like how do I get down onto the, the little beach area or not the beach, the know, the waterway, the dam. Mm, so I thought yeah. everything was well put together, you know. It kind of got lost, but once I realized the layout, I didn't have a problem uh navigating or anything like that. So but as yeah. for isolation, I didn't really, didn't really cross my mind because I figured he was by himself because he was trying to find this missing child, and I didn't really expect there to be a bunch of uh, any kind of interaction with, uh, of of human beings or anything like that. Yeah, I think walking sims are you often on your own. But I think,
0: I mean, Joshua, you say like you don't think it's all focused on isolation as like a part of the game. I would probably argue that mm-hmm. it is like quite a big theme in the way that. You kind of get this feeling towards the end game, and we'll talk about it obviously, but Ethan Ethan feels quite isolated as he's sort of going along his natural uh natural environment, his neighbourhood, writing these mm-hmm. stories, maybe not feeling like appreciated. Um sure. but I mean, nonetheless, um the next Ethan Card story is the graveyard murders. This one I did get. This is like an uh, right, so this one basically ends up being his mum trying to lock Ethan Carter, like cement him into this uh, burial basement, for lack of a better mm-hmm. word. And you were starting to get this theme of like uh, the sleepers, the sleeper must not sleep. You're starting to get sort of paranormal things going on with this idea of the sleeper, like maybe being a curse or like a demon, that sort of mm-hmm. a spirit or something. You're not you're not quite sure at this point, but you know that his mum is trying to lock him away because of this, uh, this thing called a sleeper. So the next one is the murder in the mines. You have to do the graveyard murders to find out that there's an entrance to the mines, which you kind of see at least midway through the game. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's probably where I'm going to have to end up at some point. You don't have the key to it. And you get the hint that there is a side tunnel uh, next to the mines. I think one of the large, my failing with this game the most is that either I'm like not very perceptive at all, but I would get very close to these things. And the white text would come up sort of showing you you can interact with the thing and a lot of times I just went past it cause I didn't actually see it register. I couldn't <laughs> find the entrance of this mine for fucking love more nor money. Not even though I knew what I needed to do. Is that me? Am I blind? Is my TV too small? Are you, are you guys missing these prompts? No, I
2: didn't. I didn't miss any of the prompts. Okay.
1: Yeah. I'm a uh, very big on exploring. So I, I noticed when I was doing my first walk around, I noticed the gate and I was like, how do you get through this gate? And then you eventually get the key. So I knew exactly where to go. So I, uh, I didn't have an issue at all, really.
2: I'm very big on reading, so <laughs> any chance, any chance I get to read, I, I take it.
1: This is the right game.
0: <laughs> I think, I think it was literally that I wasn't seeing it, and maybe sometimes that white text was blending into the background, or I mean, maybe I'm just not that perspective. I did have like a slight cri- crisis of conscience playing halfway through this game, going, "Am I not very good at games?" Maybe, maybe you're not, Jamie. Maybe I'm not. One of my two platinums is Crash Bandicoot One, and that's
2: that's 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 actually a, that's not a bad that's not a <laughs> yeah. bad platinum at all mad respect but there's not a lot of reading there um <laughs> yeah i can't play it i need more reading and more cutscenes.
0: yeah i mean we've touched on the sound like it's generally the, the soundtrack is like orchestral mm-hmm. it's quite calming it's like kind of the opposite of that eerie feeling i was getting for most of these stories it was quite like saying oh everything's okay and you're just having a little nice walk through the forest um, and I thought the sound design was really good as you said like uh, Joshua like the, the sounds of the birds and the trees mm-hmm. does make this game feel more polished than it should do the, the
2: ambient noises help really sell the area for sure
0: and then you go into the mines and all of that stops and then you just get the hollow dark sound all the music cuts out
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I was a little bit pissing my pants at this point because <laughs> I didn't realise there was going to be like any scary moments in this game whatsoever You go down what feels like about
2: five minutes of stairs. And I'm sure that's oh, intentional. yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. I almost thought that it was looping.
1: Yes. So, uh, I, rem- I actually went backwards for a little bit thinking it was like a, like a trick puzzle. Like it was just trying to trick you into.
2: Like in Max Payne with the crying baby.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> kind of, yeah. Thanks, Tony. Still think <laughs> about
0: that baby. Every time I went down a flight of these stairs, I was like, fuck my life. Because I knew not good things live down those stairs. Bad things live down those stairs. I think probably you two have a slightly higher tolerance for uh, horror in
2: games. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't really call that moment in Ethan Carter, like, scary. It definitely caught me off guard. But it wasn't like, oh my gosh, this is horrifying. It was just, oh. Like, oh. I mean, it just happens. Like, oh, that's a thing. So I just have to deal with that. And it became less of a... I'm scared, and more of a, oh, I have to watch out for that now and finish this little maze section.
0: Or would someone like to describe what that was? So once you get to the bottom of these stairs, you're met with a warning saying, fuck off. If you're reading this, everything's on really badly. Yeah, they,
2: they say, turn <laughs> turn around. Don't go in here. And yeah. gamer logic, got to go in there. So I go in, and um, you get these little. Uh, um, maps at various intervals that tell you where you are in relation to the place around you very generous by the way and um, a small labyrinth yeah and so you find these like dead bodies and then you interact with them and they have this little light spirit that shoots around and so you follow it and you might find some more along the way but there are also these creatures these like humo sapien creatures zombie things and they're like, they just kind of grunt and roar at you, and they'll chase you, and oh no, and then you get thrown to the start of the maze, until so you go back in and do it. So, more of an inconvenience than anything, but once Shitting you- Cheating myself. <laughs> more of an inconvenience to everyone not named Jamie. So, you go <laughs> through, and you find more of these skeletons or corpses, and I'll kind of go through my experience a bit. So, I found some, I followed the light to the center, and you see on the map that there's this, like, big open area. So, you kind of get a clue where, oh, I should go there. So, you go there, and you go up this, like, little spire, and at the top, there are the ghosts of these corpses you find and they're standing on various symbols and there's like this whole grid of symbols and they're standing on particular ones and then you at the top of the spire as well you look ahead of you and you see this big door and the door has I think it was six layers where each layer has a symbol and like a shape and then it has very, they all have the same symbols that you can cycle through. So you just have to essentially figure out the combination. It felt and, very uncharted in its puzzle. Yeah, absolutely. Somewhere. It felt, it did feel like uncharted.
1: I think I found maybe one of the spirits beforehand, then went up there. And I think you get like, there's like a letter or something that gives you a hint of what two of the symbols are. And then I saw the spirit standing there. I'm like, okay, I guess I have to find more. So I found them. I went up and I solved it. You know, it was.
2: It wasn't that complicated. Yeah, they give they give you one at that area, yeah. and they give you one near the start. So by the time you get to the top, you have more than one. You're kind of clued in. Oh, there's probably more.
1: Yeah, it was. I think it was well designed. You know, you could uh, even if you didn't find out the spirits, you could probably have solved it. Just you know, um, just by eliminating uh, process of elimination. So I know it was well designed. You know, it wasn't anything. Too convoluted, and you know, it's probably one of the. I, th- I like the uh, the whole uh, uh, Joshua was mentioning it the whole uh, Lovecraftian vibe that going down there,
2: and especially once you get the solution to that puzzle, they really go all in on the yeah. HP Lovecraft inspiration. And then I was really that was the part where I was like, okay, I'm Tony now, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> it's like poor Jamie's probably like peeing in his chair at the moment. He saw the rat and crashed Bandicoot and jumped out of his seat. Look,
0: I don't play horror games. I think that's a <laughs> trope that's fair to say by now. And in
1: the past couple of months, I've been trying to fix that, but he yeah. doesn't want to.
0: Don't like jump scares. I mean, horror films. I'm not even, like, I'm not as bad with, but I think something about a game like you can't close your eyes and like hide behind it. Is this the scariest thing that's ever happened? No. Is it a big jump scare in your face that goes Bleh! when you're not expecting it? Yes, it is. And the way the mechanics are so the first time I went through this uh thing, I'm just going, please don't like don't let there be anything. It's really close quarters. Also, you've not met another living soul that you can interact with in this game so far. It's unprecedented that anyone might just jump out at any point. Um, the way the mechanics of this sort of sea man weird urchin thing that has like been left to rot there works is he will randomly. I had to work out. I had to find out what the mechanics were because I was too scared. I, I needed to know what was going on. <laughs> he will randomly spawn throughout the puzzle. It's, it's complete RNG where he will turn up. <laughs> when he does, you get two things. You get a flash of light, and then you get a sound they may not always correspond i think the flash of light doesn't always correspond to where he's going to be which like completely uh uh, disorientated me but the first time i was just going through this thing going please not please don't let there be anyone please don't let there be anyone it's really narrow you're really pushed into a very tight space when you're going through these caves Mm -hmm. and then you get the flash pissing my pants you get the sound crying to my girlfriend (laughs) And then I see him, but he's just standing there like some Slender Man bullshit. Just like, I am going to fuck you up. And I just ran towards him in this weird, like, unevolutionary response. <laughs> I just ran towards him. and what Natural he actually
2: selection do- does not favor Jamie. <laughs>
0: it really doesn't. And what he does is, as, once he appears, if you just run away and you don't look at him, then he will despawn. That, so that's all you have to do. I hated it. I, I hated stared at it. him. I stared right at him. I saw the guy once. I saw him once. If you stare at him long enough, he despawns, respawns right next to you and goes, Bruh! on your face. Did you get that? Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. I, it was awful. So the first time, first time I saw him, I'm going through, and like you said, Jamie, there's no other, other living things in the game. So you want to go up to it for sure. So I'm like, oh, that's the thing. I'm going to stare at him. So I just kind of stand there and he turns and then he just, Blech. Oh. So don't do that. Got it. <laughs> Good it was a lesson, big don't do lesson. That. Lesson learned.
1: With me, uh, I was just kind of I just walked in, I you know, you don't really know what's going on when you first walk in there. I didn't I didn't really know what was going on. Famously, I guess my quote for this episode. But um I just went in there and I just got there and I turned and I actually bumped into him He's he simply bets the beginning, like right when I walked in. Bumped into him as if you exchanged business cards and had to go in for a coffee. Yeah, like we exchange business we you know we exchange, you know he runs at you, cards, you
2: know. Runs at you and he says, Do you want to join my Minecraft server? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like in your
1: face, you wanna join my Minecraft server. <laughs> no, it was more like the the cart the, the, the business card scene in American Psycho, you know. Oh my god <laughs> Raised Font Oh, that's such a fantastic movie. Uh anyway, but yeah, so I accidentally bumped into him, not realizing what was going on, and I flashed back like two steps backwards. I'm like oh I'm like, okay, I guess this is a thing, and then I never saw him ever again. Yeah, he doesn't spawn that often. Some people said they went through that
0: whole puzzle without having to see him.
1: Well apparently he just likes you, Jamie, because you said he was he was
0: everywhere. I saw him th- Thrice, i just think like the whole the as soon as you get in the mind the music stops it goes for this low like kind of echoey tones it's going something's going to happen something's going to happen then you go down a lift not good isolated you see this murder you're you're kind of primed to just be like something horrible is going to happen here and it does and i would have preferred not to have it having said that the juxtaposition of that is once you finish that and you don't actually have to complete that and i did it for the podcast i was like I've, i looked I found, I found out you don't have to do that bit at all you can just completely skip it and i was like no i'm a big boy i'm doing it. i'm doing an episode i'm gonna do it but the juxtaposition is when you finally do that you can go up the stairs again and you leave this cave and i felt like i was being reborn because the nice music comes back the bird sounds come back and the light comes back and it just yeah you, you come straight back in to what is going to be basically the end game at this point I'm basically baffled about the story the whole way through. I know there's something about sleepers. I know everyone's trying to kill Ethan, except for like um pretty much his father. I think it doesn't help that the rail cart puzzle is basically the last thing sequentially that happens in the story. Yeah. So not only are you getting these very vague stories, you're getting them out of order. And it just generates no sort of empathy. Like, my cat died this week. So I'm a little... Really? yeah, um, yes, it, you know.
1: You don't ever tell us these things. I don't like Jamie, to be hyperbolic, that's but it's maybe awful. the saddest thing that's ever happened. It was really oh, that's bad. awful. You didn't tell us, Jamie, You didn't if, tell us it was your birthday a few weeks ago, and you didn't tell us that your cat died. <laughs> if my cat died, Jamie, I would be devastated. I, I like if my cat died. You got if my if my dog died, you guys would sure as fuck know if my dog died because I would be a complete wreck. I would be devastated. She was 19, but she was maybe the best woman that's ever graced this earth. Yeah, she was
0: real old, but but that didn't make it any easier. The, my point is, I'm quite prone to being sensitive around death at the moment, and that this game has not elicited one sort of emotion. I know it was going for weird sci and not weird sci-fi, weird fiction vibe, short story theme, but a lot of this is, in a way, at least depicting death, mm-hmm. and none of that is like affecting me because i just i'm just half baffled the whole time i know something going on with sleepers i know that ethan's kind of uncovered this room and it's kind of awoken mm. this sort of sleeper thing and what the sleeper wants is like death it thrives on death um the brother says before killing well before trying to kill uh, his father is like the sleeper chose my mother and the sleeper's chosen me and we're just fulfilling its purpose
2: yeah the the chronology is kind of hard to put together with that one especially yeah especially considering you get to the end and you do some little exploring you go through a couple areas you find out a little bit more you get to the end and you get to their house and you get this backstory about ethan is there with his grandfather and they're chatting a little bit like we need to open this big door this is where it is so they open it Ethan goes in he's like I'm gonna burn this whole place to the ground Ethan goes in the grandpa shuts it and Ethan's like stay back grandpa I'm gonna I'm gonna burn it down and the grandpa's like there's nothing we can do anymore we all have to die so the fire Grandpa dies, and you find the grandpa's body in a in a fetal position, and, and he's
0: accepted this weird he's, demon He has thing. accepted. He has acce- he's, he's you like, have to die. We have. To, everyone has to die. Yeah, and yeah, and place burns down, and then you, f- and then it goes on to the first bit of the game that you actually think, uh, oh, this is actually probably happening, and they replay the scene of of actually how the house did actually burn down.
2: Yeah. So you get you get this scene of Ethan in this secret basement room or this room where he goes to be by himself. And he's scribbling his stories drawn on the wall. And his family kind of comes down one by one. Oh, Ethan's in here. And they all go in like, the brother, the dad, the grandpa, the uncle—like everybody finds him. Them. The brother finds him, and and then everybody comes down, and they're all just being awful to Ethan. They're like, "Yes, why do you have to come down here and write stories? That's terrible. You're so weird." <laughs> and yeah, everyone's so pining on they, Ethan. They, the game really goes into you know, Ethan's life sucks, and this is awful. And he's escaping
1: and, through these stories. Yeah, that and, and that's
2: sort of his outlet. He's writing these stories—stories stories
1: where his family gets brutally murdered.
2: All authors, all good stories are are born through suffering. I'm just going to go on a tangent and say that. Except so, for Kirby. Well, Kirby lore. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> so um, so you get a lot of that. You get the family, how they're interacting with Ethan. It's genuinely awful. And then um there's the the mother the mother I can't remember if she takes a paper or she does something she's, she's got a lantern knocked. and yeah. she she does something it over. and she knocks the lantern over and it like starts to set everything ablaze and everyone's like okay get out get out get out and they get out and but Ethan tries to get out last but by the time he gets there the fire is too big so he can't get out so he shuts the door and is trapped by himself and that's and then then you're there as uh the detective paul prospero the character you play as and um he's like oh and ethan's like oh you're here you made it i'm you're the character that i wrote about in one of my stories
0: i felt like this was probably the most emotionally impactful moment that bit where ethan's like so i i can let go now the story's finished and he goes yeah you, you can let go now ethan and then I think Ethan asks what's next and uh, and you say, you know, what else? Another story. Yeah. And then it zooms out and it zooms through uh, the house and you can see uh, like a freeze frame of this quite impressive like fire and his family like rushing to try and save Ethan and like, you know, one of them's on fire and someone's trying to set him out. So mm-hmm. obviously he's trying to sort of stop this carnage that's happening. Um. So... There's two big things that have happened right at the end of this. We have a a twist and we have an ambiguous
2: ending. I mean, first of all, the twist. Anyone
0: see this one coming?
2: I kind of saw it ahead of time because you had a lot of these short stories and Ethan's writing these. So I'm thinking, okay, so you're kind of experiencing a lot of this stuff and the premise of the game, you know, with the sleeper and all that, you never see it. You never get a lot of, apart from like the tentacles or whatever, you don't really get a lot of it in direct, and you're never directly in conflict with something like that. You're just kind of trying to piece together what happens. So I'm like, this could be another story, because you had a lot of these supernatural words and elements with some of the puzzles, but for the most part, when you're out in the world, it's just, you have this real world, this very detailed real looking forest and then you have these weird supernatural things but there was always something about them that didn't feel right because they never lasted long and it always felt kind of like a dream essentially because even when you see the tentacles you go through you see those you're underwater and then the game just bam you go right back to whatever the
0: hell you're doing the revelation here is that the family aren't weren't all trying to kill him the, this idea of the sleeper was all kind of made up he was these were his stories as well um and you're kind of led to believe that this is like an uh actually what happened and it's only at this end scene you realize although his family's been horrible to him, actually he's written all these stories that you've been recreating about them trying to kill him. I was kind of with
1: Joshua by the time when I did feel the stories. by the time I found the astronaut one i it was like, okay is you know is what the character we're playing as part of a story, too. So, very early on, maybe halfway through the game, I kind of, like, kind of it together. I didn't put the rest of it together. I thought maybe... I didn't really put two and two together, in a sense, but I figured that maybe the character was created by Ethan for whatever reason, or, like, a story he was writing for, for whatever reason. I didn't really realize, um... The ending I didn't really see, you know, the twist at the end, where he was, you know, this dying kid that just made one last story. I didn't really see that coming, but... I had a feeling that it was something else was going on.
0: Yeah, it should. It probably should be worth noting that the character you are uh, what was his name again, Paul. Paul Pros- Prospero. Paul Prospero is who uh, are playing as through the story, trying to unravel this mystery of Ethan Carter. But they do tell you that he is one of the characters Ethan Carter has created uh, as a sort of paranormal detector, detector, detectorist, mm-hmm. detectorist. Detective. Detectorist. <laughs> <laughs> Detective. <laughs> the second thing is they've left the opening slightly ambiguous for you to decide kind of what what's this all been about now joshua you said you had you had thoughts on uh your interpretation of of what the game was going for
2: yeah so to me to me i think it's upon thinking about it i think it's pretty evident that um the game is essentially ethan sort of in mi a, in a way like ethan's life flashing before his eyes you know with a lot of the stories that he's left behind and it's about him coming to terms with the fact that he's dying and you get to the end and they say you know i don't know this story can i let go it's very that's very provocative uh verbiage and then the thing that really sealed the deal for me was the trophy list on ps4 um, there are a ser- five of those trophies are each named after the five stages of grief. So you have oh. a denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And they're they're not only that, but the trophies are also grouped right next to each other, so you're you very clearly see them in order. So I'm under the impression that the the game is you know Ethan is dying. He's sort of. Having these thoughts at the end of his life as he's about to die. And then, you know, once you, the detective, his fictional character, gets there, sort of when, okay, well, the story's done. Now what? I mean, just write a new one. That nearly connotes to me. I didn't realize that about the five stages of grief.
0: That nearly connotes to me that maybe this isn't Ethan's uh, experience, or some of it isn't Ethan's experience, but maybe it's actually from his family. Who only have these stories left
2: of him? I don't know. Like, yeah, it could be, it could be something like that too. Maybe, I mean, maybe you do grief your own death because I'm thinking, cause I'm thinking, you know, at the end of the game, you have this talk with Ethan specifically, and um, you know, when when you're dealing when you're dealing with death, a lot of people will say, oh, you have these moments where your life flashes before your eyes, or you get very retrospective, and so. Ethan could be thinking about his stories, or he's thinking about this character, Paul Prospero. You know, if a creative little kid who makes this character, he's in a bad situation. He can't rely on his family. He's thinking, maybe this character that I made, he'll come and save me. He'll know what to do. If only he were here. Two things really back that up. Hey, he. One of the things Ethan's
0: worried about when he's having this conversation with you is he's saying, "I haven't finished your story," and and you say, "Oh no, my story's finished, and it's a great one." And also, the family say, "Get out of the room. The smoke is toxic," which is kind of priming you to think mm-hmm. you could go into a sort of delusional state or a sort of uh, sort of see visions. Tony, is that how you interpreted the ending?
1: Yeah. He's he's totally dead. <laughs> <laughs> was worrying don't, don't, about sugar, that. don't
2: sugarcoat anything, Tony. Surprises, yeah. You know,
1: I mean, I just think it's kind of funny that his like dying thoughts—he was thinking of his family dying in such terrible ways. So that's
0: it as well. That's quite a dark way that he sort of depicted his whole family.
1: It feels like the only, like the only ones, the only one that like tried protecting him was his grandfather. Because throughout the story, his grandfather was the only one that was like, "Yo, don't do this." leave him alone and maybe his father too like maybe his father has some regrets but it's definitely felt like his father his grandfather was the one that like was protecting him
0: i didn't think this was an ambiguous ending because we've all came to sort of the same conclusions it's the last moments of ethan's dying uh of, of ethan dying and this is how he is uh processing that i've got i don't know if either of you went onto the astronaut's website
2: i did yeah
0: the person who wrote this, who is it? It was uh, Tom, Tom, Tom Beasel, Tom Basil. I'll probably get that wrong, but he said that the game ending is actually supposed to be ambiguous, and their, that their sort of how they think the game ends actually hasn't. Um, they're not going to tell us, and uh, he said that probably people didn't think it was too ambiguous because there was a twist at the end, and usually if there's a twist, then you're given the sort of answer but actually they're not going to tell us their interpretation of the game. And their sort of reasoning for that was, do you know sometimes when you listen to music and you like misinterpret a lyric, but that becomes your sort of version of the song and you have your own emotional attachment to it. And yeah. if you find out later down the line, it's not that. It's quite upsetting and it cuts your reality of what it wants. So he, in that way, they were like, we want the uh, consumer of this media to have their own interpretation of what the story is. And actually they're still um plot beats and stuff about the family in this game that are hiding in plain daylight that no one seems to have uncovered yet or nothing that they've seen in reviews so i think their their true version of what happens in this game probably isn't that straightforward we're led to believe it's that but actually i think they were upset that people didn't think it was an ambiguous ending so it might not be as simple as we think Mm -hmm. um but equally, if it's that opaque,
1: what's the point? I've seen one interpretation where, um, for whatever reason, the, the poster said that they think that uh, the detective is Ethan Carter grown up and he's revisiting okay his old town. But that's just most of the – I've never seen anything more than that, really. I mean, it seems pretty straightforward to me. And if, it's, if, the, true, if the true interpretation is that convoluted, then, you know, it seems more like a – writing in game design problem than the players i
0: mean it may be and they do kind of take on some of that acceptance the other detail i did see is that it's seven o'clock when he dies and they really kind of make a point of showing you that and i wonder if that is something if anyone has any ideas write in tweet us um so i think with that said though as confused as we're all feeling it's time for our final thoughts and review tony would you like to give us a score in your in your concluding thoughts
1: I mean, there were certain things I liked about it. You know, I liked the environments, the music. I did like the the adventure aspects of it. I liked the um, I liked how you had to put together the clues of the of the deaths and everything. I really liked that. That was really good. I liked the the adventure game mechanics of it. And you know, it'd be cool if they did do a follow up if they use similar mechanics to a more if they decide to do another adventure game of the style. I would another detective game, let's say for instance. I would like them to use the mechanics and maybe have more interactions of other things. You know, not as straightforward, like maybe linear, but not like too linear like this is. It'd be a cool mechanic for a game, a different game in the style, like a, another game in the style. Um, as for everything else, I mean, overall, I give it like maybe like a six or a seven. I didn't think that, that too highly of the story. It was okay, you know, but... You've. Uh, by the way, you, I mean, listeners at home can't see this, but
0: Tony has the most mildly underwhelmed face as he's talking about <laughs> this game.
1: <laughs> it's
0: just yeah, petering it on from
1: whelmed to underwhelmed. It wasn't. It wasn't. You know. It was fine. I like the way. Like It was fine. It was okay. I give like a. If you like, like a. You want like a short adventure game, maybe, but you know, I'm not gonna run out and recommend this to people too much. You know, like I said, atmosphere, music. The game mechanics, the detective mechanics are cool. You know, otherwise, you know, eh, it's
2: about average. I would say. Um, I'm. My thoughts aren't too dissimilar from Tony's. Um, the environments were great. The atmosphere was great. I quite liked how the game was structured, where you just kind of go and you just figure things out. The game never stops to tell you. Really anything, and I I appreciate that kind of design quite a bit. Um, The story I wasn't super invested in, the characters I wasn't very invested in, and I, I know we talked about this while we were playing it, but the game just, like, you play it and then it's over. And I almost feel like the game isn't long enough that you really start to, that you can really get a feel for it I almost feel that it's too short. Um, What it does do, I think it does pretty well. But like Tony said, it's not a game that I would go recommending to people. And it's not a game I'm probably going to, I probably won't really think about it that much after it's done. Um, Six or seven, I'd have to go with probably, probably I'm leaning toward a seven out of 10.
0: And I think you've, Hit upon something for me, Joshua, which is I don't, I didn't think about this game afterwards. And I think that's kind of what this game was going for to be one of those games. As I said before, I played, um, what remains of Edith Finch and that has quite a similar, I mean, there's loads of parallels and it's quite similar. But I, f- as soon as I finished that game, I was very excited to sort of think about it and see what other people had, uh, thought about it. And it stayed with me for like weeks and weeks and weeks. I just thought about it the whole time. And I think this game was going for that. I miss because it's loads of little individual good ideas and it hasn't come together as a as a whole piece. And as for the ambiguous ending thing, I mean, like, I don't know if you've played Inside. Inside has like a really ambiguous inside. ending. Yeah. But you feel I've like there's a definitive answer that they have in mind. And that's quite... You know that they strongly do have that and they're just going to hint at it. I thought about like Inside the, a lot after I played it. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like here, if they do have a, a true version of what happened what they've actually maybe accidentally done is just uh, give you a twist, which makes you feel like, you know, the true answer and mm-hmm. don't want to investigate that anymore or don't feel the need to, because it's either so opaque or so irrelevant um, because you've not had the emotional pull to this game. I think I am going to probably, I don't know. I think the good things about it were uh, the graphics,
2: mm-hmm. the music, and the, just the general feeling of the game. I think the structure, the way the game is structured for an indie team, for a game to look as good as it does, yeah. especially when it came out, and for the game to be competently made as much as it is, despite some of its flaws, I it's like to me six just felt a bit a bit too low with with those in mind.
0: Yeah, and I did and I did enjoy. I think the highlight probably was the short stories that weren't related to even uh, Carter. Um, I mean seeing here it could be a 6 or a 7 couldn't it? I mean both of you are right in your own respects I think I would probably uh, give it a 7 I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 Dear It Lord, has a little
2: something for everyone
0: It does <laughs> or, uh, or it has that bit in the minds which I wasn't okay with
1: <laughs> Alright guys well uh, apparently that's the end of this episode of our discussion of What is uh, it? You don't what? know <laughs> Sorry, that's my, j- my attempt at humor. <laughs> Is this one of Jamie's stories, convoluted stories, that he would be pretentious and say that's not the true, uh, the true ending? Who knows? Maybe we'll find out next next episode where we discuss Mirror's Edge. In the meantime, uh, why not check us out on our social media, uh, Twitter, at PSRumble, and drop us an email if you have questions, comments, complaints, at uh, PlayStation Rumble Podcast at gmo.com. And also be sure to check us out on YouTube where we also post our past uh, past episodes up there for you to uh, re listen to and share with your friends. And be sure to like and subscribe. And with that, just want to say uh, good night, good morning, good evening. Have a good day. See you guys. Goodbye. Okay,
0: Gentlemen, it's been a couple of weeks since we last met. How have your weeks been? I guess I'll go. Don't rush <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, go for it. Go
2: for it, Tony. Go for it.
1: This is why uh, we can't do a live show. <laughs>